can feel myself rot. The pain of being dead. I don't seem to have much of any reasoning power. Seventeen seconds. Reanimation at seventeen seconds. The eyes open. Not dead? Are you mad? I saw her die. The doctor signed a certificate. I saw them bury her. Look at the face. It's vacant, with a hint of sadness. Infected with what? Rage. In the midst of a pandemic, we took a break. For Halloween, we're back from the dead. Blood and Black Rum Podcast is Hey guys, welcome back to the Blood and Black Rum Podcast. I am Ryan from Coldsploitation.com and I'm joining my co-host Martin. How's it going? And uh, we're back with a new episode of our reanimated series, which, if you've been following along, is our Halloween series for this year. Uh, we are revitalized and um, coming back to you after a fairly long hiatus with the pandemic. Um, and so we decided that the best course of action for a reanimated series would be to cover zombies and other things of that ilk. Um, so we're covering pandemic? Yeah, exactly. Not often you get to use the word ilk either in your day-to-day life, so I had to throw it out there. Um, so we've been covering lots of zombie films, and actually pretty traditional zombie-type films. We've covered zombie. Uh, we've, <laughs> you know, the, the uh, generically named zombie, or zombie 2. Uh, we have covered Return of the Living Dead. We covered um, Dawn of the Dead, the remake. And this week, we're tackling... A fairly different film where I would not consider them actually zombies in this movie. They're not zombies by the definition, but we're we're lumping them into our zombie film uh, genre discussion because it makes. I mean, we're not going to do. Uh, a, I mean, I guess you could, but we're I would probably al- not going to do a rage series. <laughs> um, you know, there's a couple we, films that we can throw in there. Oh, but. so what are we doing? Uh, we just, for Rage, we're just going to do uh, 28 Days Later, um, the Crazies. The Crazies. And, and then uh, 28 Weeks Later. And 28 Weeks Later, and then the Crazies remake. And, and then that's, that's it. it. Yeah, that's our Rage. Oh, and, and Mortal Kombat versus DC Universe, because the ra- Rage takes them, is what creates the confrontation in that one. And we could do Rage Carry 2. <laughs> because 
It's we could do Turok Rage Wars. There you go. You know, the nice, yeah. the great uh, multiplayer game for the we N64. Could, we could cover that as well. Yeah. Um, I would, no, I... They're not zombies, no, but that's like a technicality. It is. I would say, though, um, 28 Days Later um, is a deconstruction of zombie films, in a mm. sense. Mm, yeah. Even though it borrows heavily from the zombie pop zeitgeist of the day. It it does, and it's actually interesting because this film was um, released in 2002. Which and- feels like it, it wasn't. Yeah, you mean it feels like it was earlier, the, or um, uh, it feels like it was later than that? Yeah, like 2000, like I was saying, 2004, which mm-hmm. uh, doesn't seem like a big jump. Uh, it, I I feel like, though, if you live through the time period going from 02 to 04, yeah, it was a... Yeah. It is actually, it's hard to believe that 28 Days Later is 18 years old. Um, Feels like yesterday when <laughs> when it released... <laughs> Uh, but I would, I would agree with you that the caveat is not super distinguished here. No, they're not zombies in the traditional sense of being dead and coming back to life, Uh, but pretty much they have the same function. Um, the, the only, the big difference is that they're not reanimated from dead They're If they're dead, they're dead. You know, if you're, you're not, there's no. People coming from the grave, in this case. And that is probably the biggest thing to distinguish between zombies and these rage virus people. Um, and besides that, you're really getting a lot of the same ideas. And like you said, it is sort of a, um, you know, a distillation of the zombie genre and, you know, trying to take that and turn it a little bit. Um and like I was saying, for, with, it, with it releasing in 2002, it's kind of interesting because now zombies, in particular, The Walking Dead, has really permeated culture um, in our time. And when you watch this film now, or if somebody was to watch it and they never had seen it before, you might think, wow, The Walking Dead and 28 Days Later, they have a lot of similarities <laughs> to each other. But yeah, they do. And, you know... But I 28 say, Days Later was very, very early uh, on the, uh, well, it's the bandwagon. Funny. Well, like I said, it's funny, too, because they ape a lot of stuff from Resi 1 and 2. The games, yeah. not the movies, yeah. Correct, yeah, yeah. The Definitely the games, you know, you have that whole, the whole um, experimentation uh, in a laboratory. Lots of, a, lots of being trapped in a convenience store, like the opening of Resi, Resi 2, you know. Yep. The, uh, basically, the, the whole idea that an experiment a man shit you know that they're locked in for part of it you know yeah an experiment that has gone awry uh that has broken out and basically caused a massive infection of the world and watching again watching during a pandemic is very interesting because there are some similarities to what we're seeing and there's even a really interesting element to the film when um, later in the film uh, with Jim being trapped in a cell with uh, another soldier that he, they've been shacking up with. Um, he's like kind of going off on tangents on his own and he's talking about, you know, we're on an island um, and how can the virus travel across the uh oceans and across seas and things like that and get to us if you know it started somewhere else 
there's an interesting idea there of, you know, virus travel and which does make sense in this film because the tur- the turn rate is fucking yeah. 12 seconds. Yeah, you know? yeah, there's no, they, they, there's say, no they t- literally say 10, 10 to 15 12. seconds yeah. or something like that is is the turning time. So at least there's a they do have set out a time frame unlike some of the other zombie where films it's just, where, where it's just like uh whenever their body feels <laughs> like it, you know. Whenever uh, the plot, you know, th- yeah. Um yeah, so like if that's the case, it would be kind of hard, you know, somebody on mid-flight, you know, <laughs> yeah, right, to, right, from, on Lon- the from you know from London to New York to be like, you know, s- stowing it. Well, when the rage zombies are on the flight, their secondary uh, instincts take over, and they're able to land planes. Mm. That's that's how that's. They don't go into that in 28 days later, but in 28 months later, they will certainly do that. They'll, they're going to go for a uh, Romero approach of, uh, they're picking up guns now. <laughs> <laughs> they're using weapons. Yeah. Well, a couple of them were running around with, like, torches in their hand in this one. Yeah, I know. think, um, like, I'm not sure. They don't really go into much um, detail about, besides the fact that it's a rage virus, which is very clearly enunciated at the beginning of the film. A man literally says, it's rage. <laughs> it's rage. The scientist, yeah, in the la- which, lit- you know, is great. The one lone scientist in this lab where you got uh, an animal liberation front yep. rescuing, trying to rescue chimps, which all I can think of every time I see this is fucking Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back <laughs> of when they go to rescue, you know, the chimps in the lab and they're like, we're the clit. Yeah. I'm the clit commander. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. And it's it is funny too, like their uh animal rescue and they end up causing way more harm than <laughs> than some chimps just being mm-hmm. kept captive in a lab. Um but you um like you have that that rage element and um I don't even remember what my point was now that we, <laughs> we broke in like that. I don't remember. Uh I'm trying to think now of where I was going with talking about the rage virus and things like that it'll come back to me i don't know we i lost the trail on that one but when i think about it again i'll bring it up um so yeah 28 days later we're covering today and uh you know obviously for a 2002 film i've seen this film like three times four times something like that over the course of you know many years um and you've seen it as well obviously before we about four Four or five times. Yeah. We always like to start with that context of have we seen it? Have we not seen it? Are Where we're we, coming from. Yeah. Are we are we coming to this from the from a first time viewing experience and you know coming in fresh or are we are we uh well nuanced in the ideas of the film? And for this one I would say I'm fairly well nuanced. I hadn't seen it in a while, but watching it now all came back to me. Remember, <laughs> remember it well. The one thing I will say is that sometimes 28 days later and 28 weeks later their plots like bleed into each other in my mind where i'm i'm left thinking like was that in weeks or was that in days i can't now i can't remember so it was good to refresh watching it again all right i say though i've seen it about four or five times um it's been like the first time in the decade oh really that long it's not been that long for me um all I can kind of say is kind of wow to how this film was popular <clears throat> when it came out. You know, it was a 
box office success because it's a yep. bit of a thinking man zombie film. Big, big, uh, big deal for Danny Boyle, um, who you know has gone on to do other things, but really, Twenty Eight Days Later being one of his biggest uh, films, um, and you know, I'm curious if they're ever going to follow up on it with you know 28 months later 28 years later would be interesting to see um danny boyle did not work on 28 weeks later but uh you know an interesting genre and i think or uh, not genre but series and i think uh you know it would be interesting to see where this film there was like a six seven year gap between the two films yeah yeah the not not uh you know which makes sense because uh that's when like the zombie craze is really starting to take off Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. So they're like, ooh, gotta. Yep. Getting in on it again. Get, you know, get this back out there. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. And from our, from our talking about um, 28 Days Later, come back to that in a little bit and talk about our beer that we've got on the show today. Because we do have a new one on um, that we've never had before from either the style or this uh, um, brewer or the actual beer itself. Uh, so let's get into that. Get my zombies, eat my neighbors ready. <laughs> so, uh, we are talking about the strawberry creamsicle from Mean Max Brewing. Um, mean Max Brewworks is a fairly small brewery in our area, uh, in Glens Falls, New York. And uh, I've never really heard that much about Mean Max before. I mean, I've been to Glens Falls. I've been to all the blue breweries that I thought were in Glens Falls <laughs> and uh, this one has never never come up and so I was curious about me Max and uh, our local um, beverage center got a couple different shipments of beer from me Max so I decided to pick up the strawberry creamsicle because I thought it sounded interesting um, I we are fans of cream ale as you probably know from the many cream ales that we've covered on the show I think they are too because of a little line on the can if you know this uh, what do you got there? What, what little line? At uh, when it's describing what it is. Uh, summertime is any time with this rotating cream ale series. Sip slowly and let nostalgia take over. Yeah. What would be the nostalgia? Yeah. Jenny Cream. Hey, there you go. Yeah. So, <laughs> this beer is a cream ale with strawberry and vanilla, as the name of the beer entails. And, um... It certainly has a very light presence to it, but that strawberry vanilla does come out pretty well in here. And uh, I'm very impressed with Mean Max on this beer. I've, like I said, I've never heard of them before, before now. And when I went to the brewer, or to the beverage center, they have both an orange creamsicle and a strawberry creamsicle. I'm sure they do others as well in the series, but those were the ones that were available at the time. Uh, so I picked up the strawberry, but now I'm really curious about the orange creamsicle as well. See what that, see what they can do with that one. Yeah, seeing as we've had before on here too, and back when Genesee used to make it, the Genesee orange creamsicle that they did for like a year and a half, mm. which was very good. Yep. Uh, I agree. Very good. I think the strawberry pairs well with it. I think it's also a reason why Genesee also did like a strawberry lemon v- variety mm-hmm. um, last year. Um... You know, it makes you feel like you're kind of like eating like a nice and good humor strawberry eclair bar, you yeah. know? Yeah, really. Yeah, it's, it's um, very similar to that. Uh, the beer has a sweetness to it, so uh, keep that in mind. You know, 
not all beers are sweet, and this one does have a sweetness to and it. And this that, does, you do get the like the nice like milky creaminess to yeah, it. Yeah, there's a, there's a creaminess to it, and I believe it pours like a almost like a pink. Um, if you were to pour it out, we have it in cans, but if you were to pour it out, you can kind of see the the pink hue to it as well. So um, definitely an interesting beer in a style that's very delicious on its own, and uh, you know. Mean Max is uh, one to check out, and when I'm next in Glens Falls, I'll be looking for that brewery because it's one I've never heard of and never been to. I almost wonder if Davidson cans it and stuff for them. They don't, um, it doesn't say on the yeah, cans. Yeah, it doesn't really say. Can, you know, I, I'm not sure. Um, like I said, like this is one that kind of came out of nowhere to me because I've been in Glens Falls and I've been to the breweries that are in Glens Falls, um, and we've both been to. You've been to Davidson, I took you to Davidson, and we've been to Cooper's Cave, and I did not know about this one. So this is either, like, tucked away somewhere. Well, Cooper's Cave is even tucked away, too. Sure, sure. But this one is uh, tucked, must be tucked away somewhere, or be fairly new. I'm on the scene, so definitely be looking for this when I when I go to Glens Falls next and um, my next uh, my next purchase might be that orange creamsicle to, to give that one a shot too um, well if they got it next time I go I'm gonna grab it yeah absolutely yeah they're in four packs uh, in uh, tall boy cans which is also a shame as we talked about yeah you know something one like of, one of these like this should not be in a four pack yeah. it's just you know. it is on the higher end of um, alcohol content though 6.2 which is fairly high for a pre-mail so it's uh you know on the higher side but yeah i would like to see it in a six pack or you know 12 pack something like that but we're gonna do the smaller boutique labels they generally tend to release in those four packs rather than the uh six or twelve so. <laughs> the boutique labels so yeah good way of describing it yeah so uh, look out for me next. Cr- I'm not gonna start calling them craft beers. Yeah, right. No, they're just boutiques, boutique beers. <laughs> uh, look yeah. out for Mean Max Brewworks, uh, Glens Falls, New York. Not, I don't believe that they're probably shipping that far, um, but you never know. You I do like the little. Out. I like the little hop on the New York, you know, state too. Yeah, that's a yeah. nice little touch. And also, like, if you wanted to trade something rare, let us know. I can get something packaged up for you and send it out. It's also got that nice candy striped uh, oh, going yes, on like the can. The, yep, Makes yep. you think of, you know, like the old candy striped Stuart's, you know, yeah, the, uniforms. The can is nice and nostalgic to go along with that that uh, message of nostalgia for what they're saying in the in the description. So. Can you imagine like a nice lime one? Mmm, that would be good. Be- Li- lime creamsicle? Or lime... Uh, Premium? Yeah, something like that. That'd be, like, that'd be, that'd be really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So that's our beer talk. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, stop that. You should just have zombies ate my neighbors playing out the, the, the just whole like, time. You know, just I feel like that would get really annoying. It's like three minutes of zombies ate my neighbors on loop. <laughs> so I feel like that would get really annoying. But what wouldn't get annoying is Lep in the Hood, which I still have on here from Leprechaun. <laughs> so... <laughs> that would never get old, I don't think. Uh, I totally forgot we did Leprechaun. Up in the hood. Yep. Ah. Uh, yeah. Seems like fun so, times. Seems fun like times. so long ago. It was. It was actually fairly long ago. Though, though the episode counts don't really reflect it. It was quite a while ago. I mean, it was like six. Yes, yeah, over six months ago. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. All right. Let's get into 28 Days Later because I've got some stuff to talk about. And oh, right. the first thing that I want to talk about is that opening scene that we get. Not not the um, not the lab scene with the chimpanzees that are escaping and causing rage. Which, not a great way to start the film. Yeah. That part is like really corny. Really, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one is, you know, it's just um, really expository for the for the film it, it it's like they somebody did a test screening and the audience if they was didn't like, know, i don't really understand what's the going rage on. part of it like yeah. like why is there rage and so they were like well i guess we gotta add an intro to this to explain it in of detail. some fucking animal yeah. you know rights hippies being like yeah we gonna save the monkeys that's what it kind of seems like um it is kind of tacked on there at the beginning and it doesn't really I, Which I, I don't understand too. Like we gotta learn what we're experimenting with the rage and the virus. Why? Like yeah, how, how? How the hell did this what? even come about? Why are you testing this in a lab? Why would you like feel like rage would be like a thing? You know, like yeah, rage. We, we need to figure out how to weaponize weaponize like, rage. I, you know, or whatever. Like all comes down to military stuff. Wouldn't you want to like weaponize sadness? Like put your foe <laughs> into like like a like dismal depression. I don't depression. know why, but the, the other the opposing armies all depressed. They they're don't just, want they're in the fetal position. They won't take up their weapons. Yeah. 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 You know. So we killed them. <laughs> or they killed themselves. Yeah, or they killed themselves. Yeah. They're all listening to Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> But no, the the scene that I'm talking about that I wanted to talk about instead of that opening part of the uh, chimps and and rage stuff is when Cillian Murphy's character, Jim, wakes up in the hospital, which is, as we talked about, very similar to The Walking Dead's opening sequence, which is, you know. We didn't steal that or anything. Right. I mean, it's it's very, very similar. We're just missing, you know, some... Penis action. Though. Right, right. Yeah, The Walking Dead on AMC could not show Rick Grimes' penis, but in 28 <laughs> Days Later, we do get Cillian Murphy's penis in its glory and his ass a couple times. Um, that opening sequence of him waking up set to jibe, which I like to I like to call jibe, use the acronym, or Godspeed you, Black Emperor. Um, that is a very cool opening sequence for the film that really sets into in the tone of the film which is going to be dark because you have him waking up going through a city that is really just not not destroyed so much as it is just vacant i i think it'd be all uh cooler too if they kind of went the there will be blood route of not even having like just if you had like well there will be blood there's no sound or anything for the first like 10 15 minutes mm-hmm. So you, the music's fine, you know, to give like the an ambiance, like the apocalyptic, yeah, yeah the, the ambiance. But like, just not even have him like speak or anything. Like, if we if he's speaking, we don't hear it. Like, mm. you know, it's like all like he's just talking into a void. Mm. You know, and watching him like drink a Pepsi can where the logo's clearly you know being shown because yeah. Pepsi got to know. Pepsi you know, but sponsors you could have him doing it, but not have him like the sound effects of all that going mm. on to kind of give you that more isolation and desolation you know feel going on yeah. to the beginning yeah i definitely think that the godspeed you black emperor is is a good choice um the film doesn't always make good musical choices no. <laughs> but that opening sequence does because godspeed you black emperor that song um east 
Hastings is very um, uh, cinematic in its uh, build anyway, in its progression. Um, one of their best songs. And to have it building as he's continually noticing that, you know, London is fucking deserted is uh, a really cool sequence um, that I think works pretty well ending on the missing uh, sign of like literally like thousands of people missing on that sign. I think it's a it's a good emotional start to the to the film when you discount the other part of it, which was the whole very new metal esque um, chimpanzee attack and things like that. Yeah, um, so I think that works. And if, if, I think if you cut the actual first part of it about the rage virus stuff. And you just had Cillian Murphy waking up to mm-hmm. this world. I think it would be even more effective yeah. um, to see <clears throat> that because it would not, as a viewer, you would not be s- signaled in or in touch with what's going or on. You, would be you could just it. have you could just show like normal day in London going on, you know, just stuff happening mm-hmm. like for like a, like a minute and a half, like ninety seconds of like yeah. no, a normal day in London, and then you cut to the title card, you know, twenty eight days later, yeah, and then yeah. you see him wake up and like. Yep. That would be like a nice juxtaposition of like this is what normally happens in London mm. for us U.S. people who don't know what's what the fuck's going on in London and Britain. Yeah, we're just sitting there going, "Up in the morning, tea." Yeah. <laughs> they drink tea there, right? Oh, governor, what's up, yo, bum? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for uh, for us U.S. people, we really have no idea what goes on across the sea, <laughs> and. Uh, then open up with that scene. I think it, w- yeah, it would have been really effective. I think I still think it's effective. I just don't think it is as effective as it could be if the film just didn't open with it. You know, it it it, it would have been because we we after the rage information, we're cued in. We know what's going on. Yeah, there's going to be an apocalypse because they release these chimpanzees stupidly, and now there's all kinds of infection. We know that from that opening scene. Hell, you don't even need to know that. But you can just know it from the fucking poster. True. Which yeah. has the biohazard sign, exactly. you know. Yeah, and 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 they and a look at London which is looks like apocalypse. Yeah. So yeah, you don't really need that opening sequence. It's kind of like overkill. And I almost, and I think too, I think the whole like monkey thing with the chimpanzees and the I, I that I think is just like a vestige of like the early two thousands, late nineties, like oh we gotta show what you know. Mm-hmm. What's caused you know caused all this? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean you really don't like you don't need to know the reason. Like why today, today they virus. would ha- make that like a forty minute section <laughs> in a Zack Snyder film. Like yeah. here's how the so we got to know everything about the scientist who's working on this and his sort of diary. like um like the Godzilla remake that we had. Where how dare you? What? The Brian Cranston is the best part. Of best that film. part. Of I that know, but I'm film. but I'm saying that's the <laughs> way they went with that. Where they're like, "This is what we're doing with Godzilla," and you know, that entirety of the first hour is is devoted to that. Though I will say, it's because of Brian Cranston. The rest of the film's focused on fucking butt fuck soldier who no yeah. one cares about. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I agree. I mean, I I think if they just opened with that scene in this film, it would be would be a lot stronger but still really strong and that's the thing about 28 days later is um you know it is in some ways a vestige of the early to mid 2000s way of flashy style editing um lighting and uh new metal type music in the in the background during action sequence and then there's 
other moments where it is very emotionally affecting um and they're paired together in a way that doesn't always jive but it has its moments and i think that you know um when we say that it is very much a film of its time that's the reason is that it has a lot of those like i'm thinking of films like ghost ship <laughs> and uh house on haunted hill and saw films the saw films where you know you know what to expect you're gonna get fucking uh 17 cuts in the in 12 seconds uh and the the you know Slow, fast, yo, shots, you know, yeah, like, yeah. for no reason at it, some and if time. You, if you really did want to hear more about our views on those types of editing styles, go back and listen oh, to our Saw so. series from the uh, Halloweens long ago. From like five years ago yeah, now. right. And that'll be a fun listen for you as well, the Padger, Padger Halloween season. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, this, this also has that. So, like, it does have some of those, like, quick-paced cuts, edits, and um No, I think the difference, like I think the difference, though, is this film is made on essentially a shoestring budget, mm. you know, five million pounds. You can definitely and you can that. And you can tell, like, how just kind of, you know, ragtag the film is, which, like I said, it makes, is also part of the reason why it's kind of interesting why this film was the hit that it is. Now... It's not like it was a huge hit. It only made like eighty million dollars worldwide, mm-hmm. but compared to the five you know million that was spent on the film, huge success. Right. You know, you got almost twenty times the return on, mm-hmm. and it spawned a sequel, and you know, was an inspiration. But it's kind of just like interesting to think about it because zombie films, especially you know, at that point in time, were kind of not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. And not only that, Resident Evil, by that point, if you were just like a fan of the Resident Evil games, by 2002, they jumped the shark four different fucking times, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting to look back at this film. Like I said, I think it's kind of an interesting deconstruction of zombie films because the rage virus and the zombies aren't even like the focal point of this film. Yeah. It's the character interactions and how they're going to survive. So it's, it's even like taking the Romero idea of the humans versus humans aspect and actually really even hyper focusing on it yeah it's like the devolution of of um human civilization and where that goes especially in in uh you know where you don't have very many people at all because this film really doesn't have a, a huge cast of characters um and for the most part they're stumbled upon so the film feels even more deserted than some other zombie films which have a larger cast um and that's probably based on proximity because we throughout most of the film there's only like three or four characters and then they stumble upon another three or four characters that absence of people all together kind of makes the film seem even more scarce when it comes to population um which i think then lends itself to the uh, last part of the film where you have soldiers who are basically looking to just procreate for the human race. Um, I don't even think it's that. It, it's just, they, it's just you know, incels. It, it's just, <laughs> it's just, they need guys and you're like, I need you fuck you. Know? <laughs> yeah. 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 I Cause mean, like, cause, you know, very the, desperate the, men, you know, good old Chris Eccleston, you know, who'd go on to be, you know, the first reincarnate of Dr. Who. They'd bring the you know long line, but mm. 
Um, you know, him being like, you know, they just need companionship and we need to do this to survive. And yeah, it's great. But like his guys are just like sitting like nodded up. Like, I need to fuck, you know, I need to fuck. There's no excuse. Think <laughs> about how many porn star porn stores are probably in the area that they could have just ravaged. Just go take a look, man. There's probably, you know, this is, you know, probably pre-internet things in this and the that that type of service has gone down but there's probably many vhs tapes floating around the, <laughs> or uh, magazines that you could go swipe you don't need to resort to rape immediately it's only been 28 <laughs> days men <laughs> 28 weeks later okay well then that's a there, there, no. <laughs> there's your uh political commentary right there. that's right yeah in 28 days, guys. Go, go come up to me always. But, but, you know, it's just... I I think because of the fact that this film is a creature of the early 2000s and still even has, like, uh, vestiges from the late 90s, um, some of the isolation bits where, you know, they're sitting around and stuff, mm-hmm. I think are a detriment to the film because they're not as well produced as they could be to make it feel more kind of like claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Like, so like the scenes where they're sitting in like the convenience stores, you know, like eating chips and, you know, candy bars and shit is a nice touch. And it'd be, and it's welcomed to give mean, that sense I of isolation. Crisps. Crisps. Yes. Crisps, sorry. But you know, it's Our welcomed. Problems. But I think the route they kind of f- film and shoot in is dated horribly now, mm. and kind of make you know. Yeah, you're you're talking about like when they're with Fred and uh, Hannah when they first meet up, and they're or it, like with like just like with Mark too, like and you know, and the mm. right from the get go, like I like that. I think it's great. Because it's again, like I said, it's like kind of a deconstruction. They're more focused on the human element. Yeah going on but i think what's kind of shoehorned in there now is because the film is so early 2000s and, and i think i think maybe what you're you it's why it there's a lot of widely shot elements to it so you're not with awkward dutch angles yeah, that you right. know you where, not, where you don't need the dutch angle like when you had the dream sequence with jim and he's freaking out the, that dutch angle they go to when he's running makes sense because it's supposed to you know throw you off kilter but them just sitting in the goddamn shop and having like these overhead shots and you know the way it's kind of you know dutch angles and all this and the lighting you know like that kind of like bluish tinted lighting make make, like it makes it what should feel like a nice you know somber moment into like it like when you're watching a saw film you're like all right why why is every you know thing and i i get i do get what you're saying and i do see that in some ways because the film is fairly long at an hour and 52 minutes and maybe not as necessarily long as it needs to be. Um, at the same time, I do understand the process there that Boyle is going through showing that part because a lot of it is about Selena and her uh, basically fight or flight response. She's she's saying, if anybody weighs me down, I'm out of here. Like, I'm leaving them. And so a lot of 28 days later is focused on that aspect of would you leave your fellow man, uh, you know, and let them 
let them die and just get out, get hightailed out of there. No, see, I get that, and I like that. I think the like I said, I th- I'm not saying that this it's ma- dragging the film down, making it boring. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying like, I mean, do I think the film could have used you know a little bit snappier pacing? Yeah, maybe like sh- it could have shaved like. 10, 15 minutes off. But I'm not saying that's an, it, an overall issue because it's mm. not something I have an issue with. My issue is is more just like the fact that when you're watching that film, it's so... Maybe it's because it's only been 20 years and I can't look back at super nostalgia on, you know, that stuff yet. But, like, just kind of watching, it's like so hyper 2000s and the way it's shot, the way it looks, and the way everything feels. It kind mm. of, like, to me, like, just muddies it. If they kind of mm. went for a more, you know, like fucking Jim walking around with his... Goddamn bowl cut, you know, <laughs> yeah, half shaved yeah. head, like you yeah. know, and you know, Selena's fucking feather Halle Bear hair that she's got going. Like <laughs> it's hi- like it's hi- like hyper, like you know. I think it, it would have ben- benefited more like if they were just regular, you know, didn't stylize them so much. Mm-hmm. I like I said, I the interactions I do love and I appreciate. I think, like I said, though it's. Yeah, because it's so, like like I said, it's kind of like how some people can't watch things that are like super eighties or whatever because mm-hmm. it's too you know distracting. Mm-hmm. Early two thousands crap's always been distracting. Yeah, like you said, if you listen to Saw films, I'll be besides bitching about Casas Mandalore, <laughs> it's bitching about you know how fucking super two thousands they are. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I th- I do think that there there is a successful like I said, there's a successful part of the films emotional development. Um, and I think one of the culminations of that is like spending all that time with Fred and Hannah, Selena sort of getting into that mindset of like, okay, maybe, maybe I do need other people besides just having them until they're, um, a detriment to me anymore. And then you have that scene, which is a very, very unlucky scene for Fred where a crow drips blood into his eye. And he then, you know, succumbs to the rage virus and they're, they basically have to kill him. There's a, you know, there's a, a nice moment there and I'm not, well, not nice, but it's, it's an affecting moment there where Hannah has to watch her father murdered and, um, you know, not really get to say goodbye. And obviously, uh, it's a very traumatic experience. Um, I think that does a pretty good job with that, which not, not all zombie movies are able to do that. Like the, they're, there are some zombie movies where um, the human element of turning into a zombie is sort of lost on the gore or lost on, you know, it's just another <clears throat> moment for us to see like human meat fodder. I don't think that's the case in um, 28 Days Later. It does a pretty good job of showing that element of um, of turning. Well, not only that, too, a lot of times like... Uh depending on which character it is in a zombie film. There's enough time between when they were affected and then when they turn that someone should, you know, can have the time to process it. Here, you know, here it's, you know, like you said, 10, 20 seconds, so you don't have time to process what the hell just happened. kind of interesting with the 10 to 12 second thing because in this part of it, they literally have no idea what is even going on. They're like, "What the what the fuck is happening?" Because he, he, right yeah, like, he wandered off because he got yeah. pissed off when they, yeah. you know, because he he was the one that said we need to go to Manchester. There's a military blockade. Yeah. We'll be fine. They get there and they find out there's nothing there, and he's pissed off and he walks, you know, storms off, and yeah. then Crow drops a little rage blood in him. Yeah, and then yeah. I think that's interesting because that <clears throat> it did not require 
like a massive attack or a zombie attack. There's there's no inclination to other people of what's going on. So it's sort of like that secret budding rage virus inside um, that I think is pretty interesting because there's like no way to prepare for it when you're in that situation. They're just all of a sudden presented with this problem and they've got to deal with it. Do you think that's commentary? That he got the rage virus when he was at his most angriest? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Um, Certainly, the film is uh, drawing some metaphors from just human element, really. I, I I wouldn't say that 28 Days Later has anything extremely um, unique to say about human uh, characteristics that we don't see in other zombie films. But the way that it does tell that is, I think, yeah, an interesting part of the film. Um, And I I do like the fact that the film spends a lot of time on conflicting views of Selena, who's going to leave her fellow man if they get in her way, and Jim, who says, I wouldn't do that. And then at the end of the film proves that he would not do that. Um, Just, uh, you know. It's a it's an interesting dynamic. Been told many times before. It's sort of like an archetype, but um, the way that it's done is very is well done, and I I think it works out well as a as a plot um, to tell a well uh, you know a well tread story. Um, so we touched on this a little bit, but we can talk about the music besides Jibe. Uh, which we said was sort of all over the place. Um, That's which not... is another thi- part of being a early two thousands movie. Um, That's also another thing that's distracting about it. Yeah, for like every good little like you know like kind of post rock ambiance music you got going on for the film, you got like four different new metal randomness, and then a choral arrangement too. That's also like misplaced. Like yeah. it's kind of supposed to be like. Oh, word of and it's just yeah i i think it's weird i think the choral arrangement specifically is weird because there's just so many different variances of music going on you know they should have stuck with one element do you want to go the post-rock mm-hmm. route you can certainly go the post-rock route and have all of the soundtrack be post-rock it's fine post-rock is in itself when done well supposed to be cinematic so you have that element of quiet, loud, climax, and post-rock. Could have been done. I wonder, uh, I guess Brian Eno did some of the work on. I could see that. So if he did, it does like... have like an ambient, um, in, in, in calmer scenes, it has an ambience to it that is like not really drawing attention to itself as a soundtrack. But when you're listening to it mm. for the soundtrack, you can hear that um, element of ambience to it that would, would make it musical. So I can see Brian Eno working on that, you know, his music for airports and things like that to be <laughs> b- literally background music that you don't really pay attention to. I can see that. Um, but the other elements to it when during action sequences where there's those stings of new metal. It's awful. Yeah, it it's... It's definitely detracts. Um, or you like I said, the choral arrangement really feels out of place because it's not either of those two things. It's not post rock. And it's not new metal. It sits somewhere in between, and I'm not really sure what it's getting at. Well, not only that, like, too, it's just not... 
it just doesn't fit with what's going on. Right. Like like you said, like if anything, new metal, at least for me, has not aged well. No. At all. No. You know, you're fucking throwing in like a random Lincoln Lincoln Park song into your film. It's you know I actually tried to go back the other day and listen because uh Deftones White Pony is uh it's like uh it's um uh, anniversary. So I tried to go back and listen to that because that's like one of the new metal classics. I can't do it. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. It's way too cheesy for me. I, can't, I literally can't. You can't need more it. some more audio slave in your life. I can't do it. Just can't do it anymore. Anything that even has like the monicum of new metal to it, because I do listen to metal. But anything that like even sways that way, I'm like no, nah. <laughs> nah, man, can't do it. So yeah, I, I definitely see that as an issue in Twenty Eight Days Later. I can't remember now if 28 Weeks Later also has that. I can't, I, You'd hope not, because by that, that point, new metal was kind of, me. you know, was phasing down, but... Yeah. And also with that new, like, like, it just... It's not, like, it goes from, like, what probably was considered tense back in 2002. Like, right. oh, like, it's just cheesy as shit, you yeah, know? So that yeah. whole tenseness of them being in under the bridge, you know, driving through the tunnel, and, you know... Rats tech, coming, you know, you know, and then the as a wave, and then you know, the, you know, the rage virus people coming with that new metal playing. That <laughs> tenseness is like it's it, 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 it's gone. It's a know? good scene too until that uh, until that occurs. Yeah, um, you know, because even if they just had like Eno's ambience playing while the rage uh, people are running through the tunnel with the shadows on the tunnel wall, would have been pretty effective. Right? Like chilling. Yeah. But when you throw in that new metal, like they threw on like one oh three five the edge on the <laughs> radio station on the on the uh in the taxi, it kinda takes away a little bit from that. It's also funny too at the end of that scene the zombies are chasing them. They just come to a dead stop, like, oh, can't get them. They that just, is, yeah. they got yeah, away. Right. Yeah. They got away. Yeah, you would think that like the rage. I mean, I guess they'd be determined I, to keep going, or, or are they just sitting there be like, oh, "I'm so goddamn mad at it." <laughs> I guess it's like um, meant to be. Just like there's that external stimulus for the virus. It's like, is there something around? I'll attack yeah. it. Is there not? I'm just like, you know, not motivated to do anything. It's. Definitely an interesting thing that's not really explored. Um, but, yeah, it does look a little foolish when they're just <laughs> running in the tunnel and all of a sudden they're like, well, I guess that's it. Uh, I'll get you gone. next time, Gadget. <laughs> like going to play chess in a corner now until the <laughs> next wait. car. Someone's got to come eventually, yeah. I want to go back to that, um, to what you mentioned about um, the the whole soldiers scene of of the rape that's basically lingering on the horizon within the the last like what 50 minutes 40 minutes of this film um which i think is interesting and you you mentioned that it's surprising that this film really had such a strong like showing at the box office because elements like that like rape scenes and hints of rape scenes um, generally don't do that well. It's the same idea of like, I don't kill, we don't kill a baby on screen. No, there's a, there's a general rule, which again makes sense. Like unless a story really warrants, yeah, like really warrants 
having like you know rape as a as yeah, a, as, as, a, as, as, as like a, main idea as right. like a you know a plot device or a character you know you stay away from you it because because for the most part kind of like killing a baby just comes off as uh classless and being like sh- shocking for the shake of sh- you know yeah, sake of shocking yeah. and, and and it's one of those things where moviegoers for the most part and especially for uh mainstream films they don't really want to be confronted with much like sure they're going to watch a movie where you know things happen people are killed and other people commit violence but they really don't want to be confronted with some uh taboo subjects that they have to put wrap their mind around so things like uh hunger you know like we don't really want to see anybody that's literally going through you know poverty and hunger and things like that let's pretend like that doesn't happen <laughs> um because that's a feel bad thing and in my movies i go to watch it for entertainment i don't go to watch it for feel bad um that is that's how mainstream films tend to be they, they don't want to do that sort of feel bad thing 28 days later doesn't really shy away from that it's not really um it's not really scared about showing something feel bad well, uh, it doesn't even, but it doesn't. It's not like I spit on your grave where they go like fully. You know, correct, correct. Yeah, they, they, it's not. They, they bring it up like they're gonna look. They're trying to get women to come here to repopulate. But yeah. again, like I said, they're mainly the guys at that mansion. The soldiers. They're mainly fucking like teenagers with come up to their eyeballs. Like I gotta, yeah. you know, yeah. I gotta get off. Yeah, and so that's why they're having them there. But we don't. They don't. There's no. Yeah. The only. I, the only there's no. There's no real rape. The only like the the rape is um trying to think of the word, but I can't think of the word. It's implied because yeah, the humiliation and the implication yeah. that you get from them making and, the and girls dress up. Yes. So that's, you know, which is creepy in of itself. Yeah. You know, but it's not like they're going uh, full force, but still I, I definitely think like the most impactful moment of that is when Selena offers Hannah the the pills. She's like, I'm not. No, I'm not trying to kill you. I just want to make you not care about what's going to happen next. And so that's like the the ultimate feel bad part of this because we don't yeah. see anything else. The rape doesn't occur. It doesn't happen. There's always the implied threat of it, but that is like the feel bad moment where you're like, oh, it's mm. gonna happen. Like this is gonna yeah. be awful. Um, so there's always that threat, and that's the interesting part about how 28 Days Later still succeeded at, at the box office because generally people don't go for that. So I do appreciate that. And I appreciate films that do do it, not in a like exploitative way, uh, but in a way that does make you think about, yeah, this stuff happens. The and, idea. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's not like, it's not like we can just forget about this yeah. and like pretend like these bad things don't happen, but people murder people. Yeah. Um, it all happens. So I do like that part about 28 days later. And um, I just think that it reminds me quite a bit of a later film uh, from 2008 called Blindness. I don't know if you've seen that one before. Uh, But basically, it's a similar idea of apocalypse where people start going blind and humanity kind of turns on itself. And there is a rape sequence where 
they basically they have to offer themselves up so they can get food. And there's a very it's like a very similar scenario of like it's a very feel bad moment. Uh, that in that one, the threat is there, and then it actually does occur. Obviously, in like a tactful way, not like in an exploitative way, but um, it's similar to the premise, except it goes even further. And uh, it just re- that this film reminds me of it, though it doesn't go as far, but still interesting ways that it tackles those issues um, in a way that apparently did not turn off the audience. You know. Because most people don't want to be confronted with that stuff. Um, it's, a, it's a great way, too, of showing, you know, just the overall baseness that their emotions and, you know, needs have gotten. Yeah. Just over a span of a month of being, days. you know, being, <laughs> you, know, you know, left to their own devices yeah. and how, you know, how just base and carnal and yep. instinctual they've and, become. And the difference, too, between... The juxtaposing difference between characters like Fred and then these people. Um, Just, yeah. And and 28 weeks later, we'll go further with that, with the military part of it. Because the that film is more about how the entire government or organizational level can turn on others and just say, you know what? Fuck those people. They're a lost cause. Fuck them. You know, we're just going to quarantine everybody else. Um, in this case, there's more of like that personal level, um, which I think is as interesting and well done in this movie. I guess we didn't really we didn't really talk about um, violence and gore effects because there isn't a, a whole lot of like gore to this movie because this the rage virus is not really about like. No, it, eating people to to nothing. No, which is kind of funny when you see them attack people. So, like, what's the goal of the rage people yeah. to when they're attacking them? To just hap them, hap them, and get some blood on it's them. Like, until they, I would just <clears throat> like to rip you apart right now. But they don't. <laughs> they they don't do any of that. They don't yeah. bite or anything. So, so they just try to slap them and beat them up until they get the blood in them. And, uh, and there's an interesting part that is brought up with Eccleston's character, who has a rage virus victim who's chained up and they're trying to keep them for study. Mm-hmm. And he talks about, he wants to know how long it takes for them to starve, but we don't really know what they eat. Cause we never see a rage virus person literally eat someone mm-hmm. else. Uh, that's not really why they attack others. So I'm curious what they're eating in at all, or do they not eat? And that's, you know, ultimately the de- demise of a virus is going you just stay away and keep them starved. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it's. I I would say that twenty eight days later, while it really tries to explain the impetus of the apocalypse and and what caused it, has like less rules to it in terms of like what the virus actually does because they open the door. They give a little bit of an explanation, but yeah. and then they try elaborating a little bit further, but they it's left too vague at the end of the yeah. day to make it, you know, really worth the right. damn. Because, like, a Romero zombie, you don't know what caused it, but you know the, the rule of what they're doing. You know that a zombie just wants to eat. It has an endless hunger. It wants to eat people. And so you don't know the cause, but you know... 
the effect and the reasoning behind the zombies' attacks. The rage virus is sort of the opposite. You know what caused it, but you don't really know the the main the impetus. Yeah, the ma- the main reason why the rage virus attacks, unless it's just to continue spreading. But then what happens after it continues right, spreading? Right, but, but what happens when it finally reaches, you know, its pandemic state of almost everyone um, infected, a virus would not want to particularly kill its host, you know, if, if that was the case. So it is it is interesting that it doesn't really go into details about what that virus is actually doing. Um, Let's see. What else do we need to talk about? We talk about... I don't know. I, 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 we, I, we talked about everything in sort of a roundabout way that I can think of. Do you have anything else that you uh, you wanted to add about this? No, that's about it. Um, performances overall. Uh, Naomi Harris is obviously a standout. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Chris Eccleston's a great little dickhead. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, his, uh, I think everyone, you know, from the main cast does a good job. Chris Eccleston's soldiers are kind of a little bit, you know, a little big of too big of twits. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of just a little too much dude bro for my liking of them. You know, makes sense for what they what they are, but still, it's kind of you know chafing a little bit. Yeah, it's not uh, not really nuanced in terms of like the character. Yeah, but <clears throat> everyone you know does a great job. Uh entertaining even with their dire and drab situation you know they 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 do make you feel like they are actual people Mm -hmm. yeah all right so on a scale of zero to ten unsponsored pepsi products (laughs) what what would you give i could have swore i saw a bag i don't I imagine it's a thing in Britain, but I could have swore I saw a bag of like uh, uh, Worcestershire sauce, uh, crisps in the back, and I was like, oh, oh that sounds delightful. Mm, it does sound good. Uh, I love the sauce. But yeah, there's like two instances of Pepsi products. I feel the like they put, maybe ponied up like 10 grand or could something. Be, could be. Because there's a part two of that Mercedes where they made sure to get that Mercedes yeah. logo, you know, when he's going to the car yeah. and the alarm goes off. They made sure to get that fucking logo <laughs> in there. Like, yeah. So on a scale of uh, zero to ten, unsponsored for Blood and Black Run podcast, Pepsi products, uh, what would you give 28 Days Later? Give it an eight. It's one of my favorite zombie films. It's obviously had a big impact because it's definitely influenced films down the line uh, from Shaun of the Dead, you know, which it parodies quite a bit from and, you know, Walking Dead, etc. It's definitely an interesting film. It's definitely a film that's got some great ideas, focusing on the human element, you know, taking that Romero idea, but actually making it the staple point of the film and not the actual zombies itself, which leads to interesting conversations and situations that they're put in. But I think at times, because it's a creature of when it came out, it's a film that also hasn't aged particularly well in the department of how cheesy and corny early 2000s late 90s you know stuff is so like things like the new metal and how some of the characters are dressed for the situations it really especially today seems super fish out of water you know Mm. to have 
new metal and these like weird haircuts going around and outfits and all that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, some may be able to, con- you know, be able to rise above that. Others like me, uh, can't. But it's still a great film. I think it, you know, especially just for the ideas that it has, the focus on isolation, the focus on people actually trying to deal with surviving. It makes it for an interesting film. Some people may find this talk. If you're not somebody who's more interested in character development and study, uh, this film's not going to be for you because it would probably come off as tedious to you. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think I would give this an 8.5. Um, I th- I, it's a really good film. I, I've always enjoyed it, and uh, I think it's a good film that is a jumping-off point from the zombie genre. Um, I think it does the character development really well. For the most part, <clears throat> the rage virus people are not really in in the film that much. Um, and the film at the end does make a good counterpoint to a rage person versus a person who's doing what they have to do to stop the cruelty of humanity, which is what Jim does at the end because there's even that little bit overstated part where um selena almost mistakes him for a rage virus person uh because he's got a shirt off and he's kind of running around with cillian murphy's lanky body looking like a you know a a starving uh rage virus person um a little overstated in that moment but the idea is still there that you know he's had to do what he has to do and that sort of makes him like a rage virus person uh, but for a different reason, you know, to to actually protect people and come back and save them. So um, interesting ideas. Like I said, not particularly different from what we've seen in other zombie films in terms of theme, but done in a different way that does make it interesting to watch. Um, I love that that Godspeed You Black Emperor is used in here. That's, that's one of my favorite things um, <laughs> about the film. And uh I definitely think that everybody does a really good job. Um, I think that you're right that it hasn't really, it hasn't aged particularly well. Um, most films from the early 2000s haven't. That's sort of, sort of a unique time period where you kind of go back and you always know. You're like, this film is from the early 2000s. You just, you just know when you watch it. Um, so 28 day, Days Later is sort of like that. Uh, but other than that, I think it's a particularly fun film. And if you've ever wanted to see Cillian Murphy's penis, then you get to see that. So win-win uh, <laughs> for everybody involved here. And Cillian Murphy went on to have a nice career as well. Yeah, like I said, Chris Eccleston becomes the first uh, first new, new Doctor Who. Yep. Uh, Naomi Harris would go on to be Ms. Moneypenny in the new Bond films. Yep. C- Cillian Murphy gets a... Uh, uh, goes on to star in a couple of films, uh, one of which was uh, one of Wes Craven's last films, Red Eye. And, uh, you know, he didn't have to do nudity again, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so so fun film, 28 Days Later. Um, definitely, uh, definitely a good watch. And uh, 28 Weeks Later is pretty much just as good as well, from what I remember. Um which is one that we'll probably end up doing at some point later on. Not not in this uh, reanimated series, but later on in the in the show's life. 
Um, all right. So that's it. 28 days later. Thanks oh, for listening. You, you know what? I believe today is also National Podcast Day. So Ooh, I saw nice. that on Facebook today. So, you know, we're every, getting... every day is a day. There was like National Sunday the other day. Is there National like daughter, Coffee Day? I can't keep up with all of these fake holidays. Although I, I did take advantage of the free coffee. National we're, 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 Sunday, my son was being a dick, so. <laughs> I said, you're not being celebrated today. Where'd you go for your free coffee? Did you go to uh, you go to Dunkin'? No. See, I went to Dunkin'. Dunkin' big, was not actually free. Big mistake. So the coffee was free. But you have to make a purchase. So we bought a 69 cent donut or whatever. Um, See, a big mistake. So it's not free. So I just went to Stewart's. I know. It was free. They had actual free coffee. Yeah. Any size. 12, 20, 24. Yeah. Free. Take it. Free afternoon. It's nice. I didn't even realize it too. I get to the register. I had, I think maybe like a Gatorade with me. I was like, oh, you're not going to ring up the coffee. And you're like, it's free. It's like, cool. <laughs> awesome. Um, Pretty soon it's going to be National Halloween Day, which is one I do celebrate. That's Love not it. Halloween. Halloween. Oh, it's the same. Not, that's what I mean. Halloween. It's National Halloween Day. It's canceled this year. No, it's not. It's canceled. I, at least in New York State, there has been no state mandate to not have trick or treat. Give it a month. There's still a month left. Don't worry. Just means that everybody has to wear a mask, and you can't be a fucking refrigerator or something. <laughs> You have to wear a mask. You have to be scary. I just like that people are so outraged about it. What, that trick-or-treating will happen or wearing a mask in general? That we even are tossing around the idea of canceling trick-or-treating. Or that they're outraged about canceling it? Yeah. Well, some people don't want to celebrate it, too. So there's like that whole other element to it that they're like... We should just I, get rid of it in but general. I, I just like the people who are more like, my rights... To give candy away. It's not, that's not enshrined in the Constitution. I hate to break it to you. Hey, I love trick-or-treat as much as anyone, but if it's safer to not do it... Probably I'm is. I'm sure it is. It's probably safer You don't know what your it. neighbors, but, you know, as they're handing candy out to just you, about, like, might have had it up their fucking asshole. <laughs> just think about grubby kids in their hands <laughs> putting them into a candy bowl. Kids are always in the shit. Sometimes literally. Now this year, no one's going to care when there's a big razor epidemic and your Snickers bars this year, you know? It's my right to put a razor in my candy if I want to. <laughs> I want to know how that started. Someone's sitting at home. There could be razors in your candy. Like someone's sitting there like, oh, I'm going to take this hundred grand bar and well, shove a razor in. The urban legends, like, and at least with poisoning. Um, it's too much effort. For urban legends, but they were based on actual... Um, events, but there's never been an event where someone has poisoned or put a razor blade in candy where it was not a premeditated thing, like for their own children. So, for instance, w- the one that's based on fact is that the I can't remember if it was like father or uncle intended for their child to be poisoned by the candy, so they actually poisoned their own candy and then gave it to the child and so that was like what this myth started with so there's never really there's never been a proven case of actual somebody poisoning candy because if you're going to that extent like i mean why bother like let the you know that's like really desperate 
as a murderer. You, the toxicologist ain't gonna figure that one out. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to murder someone, like ch- chances are, if you're that motivated, you're gonna do it yourself so that you can see the result. Right? <laughs> you're not gonna just. You're not gonna just. One. Hope off I put it. enough cyanide yeah, in this. You're not gonna just one off it and like see in the paper a kid died of poisoning and you're like, I did that. I did that. It's pretty morbid, but. But anyway, the great tales from trick or treat. That's right. That's right. Uh, So in that sense, continuing our discussion about Halloween, we're going to be continuing our reanimated series with uh, the entire rest of October. And next week, it's reanimator. It's reanimator. That's right. Because we talked about this. (laughs) Talked about this last time in the episode. This coming week is reanimator, which makes perfect sense for doing a reanimated series. Um, so we're going to discuss that. I could bring up a little bit about the HP Lovecraft story. Be a fun time. Uh, so how he hates all people who aren't American. That he has a, uh, he, he had a stories where the, uh, protagonist cat was named, uh, N man. (laughs) Not even joking. As a Story of <laughs> rats in the walls. You can go look that up. His Look. cat is named End Man. A little passive aggressive. Because it's a black cat. Mm. No one is understanding. <laughs> so, yes. H.P. Lovecraft, not the uh, social justice warrior that you might expect. <laughs> but anyway. From your New England writers. That's right. Yeah, We're going we're gonna to talk about Reanimator next week. Should be fun. Uh, I, I particularly really like the movie, and uh, we used our theme from Reanimator, so should be a good time. So tune in. Uh, you can catch us on pretty much every podcast app that uh, there is where we should be on it. And if we're not, let us know so we can put put us on it. Um, leave us a nice review and a rating. That always helps uh, to get us discovered and have other people listen to us and find out how great Blood and Black Rome podcast is. Uh, we have a Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash Blood and Black Rum. We're on Twitter at Blood and Black Rum. Uh, you can email us at Blood and Black Rum podcast at gmail.com and let us know what you think about the uh, show and what you want us to cover for films, and we'll take that into consideration. And as always, you can donate to us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Blood and Black Rum podcast. Helps us keep the podcast going, so whatever you can donate is very helpful, uh, especially if you want to he- have us keep going. If you don't want to have us keep going, then obviously don't donate, which, you know, is mean, but we'll we'll... You know, we understand. Anyway, hope to see you back next time for our reanimated special where we do reanimator. And until then, have a happy and safe uh, Halloween season. Take care.